0: You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall Editors of the Batuta Advocate On Desert Rock FM Well, welcome back to Desert Rock FM On the Batuta Advocate radio show You're here with Clancy Overall Myself uh, and Errol Parker Today we have a a very generous guest Who's given us the time of day For an interview uh, Hounded by media She's not... Really uh, being gifted the same amount of positivity In the headlines as her opponent She's an Olympic medalist A world champion skier A barrister And what some people are saying Is the next member for Warringah Thank you for joining us Zali Stegall
1: Thank you guys
0: Now first question Zali This is um, for the nation And probably a lot of people Mm. in your electorate are wondering If you are to be elected as an independent For the member of Warringah Will we see you standing by a convicted pedophile?
1: No, (laughs) that would be a no.
0: (laughs) So there's a lot of uh, controversy that's kind of plaguing your uh, political opponent right now. What do you think is the biggest kind of concern in the electorate on the ground? Everyone around the country has a lot of things that they could say about Tony Abbott. Uh, What would you say is the immediate concern on the ground?
1: Look, he's definitely a very divisive figure and we're getting a lot of commentary from all over Australia and expats that have a lot to say about him. Uh, On the ground, mostly lack of representation, that it's time to move on. Uh, Very key moment, I think, for the electorate was the same-sex plebiscite last year. Uh, With the vote, a very clear endorsement from this electorate, over 75%, uh, and he was extremely disrespectful in walking out of the parliament when the vote was on.
2: And, of course... Not everyone thought it was possible to uh, punt these old Canberra types out of their job, as we saw in uh, the Wentworth by-election, where you know it, it is possible to uh, uproot these old trees that have grown in these blue ribbon seats. Uh,
1: it's always possible; no dream is too big. Uh, you can always uh, you can achieve any goal. Look, if, you know, a manly girl that becomes world skiing champion says it all. Um, no doubt, Wentworth by-election was inspiring in showing what grassroots dissatisfaction and uh, what the people can actually do. People power can never be underestimated. And I think the Canberra bubble of long-standing politicians is exactly that. They lose. They do lose touch with what matters on the ground.
2: Up in the Diamantina Shire, the last thing we heard from Tony Abbott in regards to the Warringah electorate was at the Carl Classic, I believe that is, an ocean swim uh, he, he raised concerns that there wasn't enough uh, public restrooms for the crowds that come to Manly Surf Beach for the event. Would you too like to echo his calls for more? More public restrooms?
1: Well, the irony is I'm an honorary member of the Manly Life Saving Club and I did swim the Cold Classic. Uh, look, the irony is any lack of infrastructure is purely can rest on his shoulders since he's been the member for 25 years. Um, we definitely need more dunnies, but we do need more showers and we actually also need a new surf club. <laughs>
0: And also, uh, he drew a lot of criticism in that particular remark. A lot of people were saying, oh, if only we had an elected official who could have done something about this over the last 10, 20 years.
1: Well, that is the biggest problem I think he's got, is anything lacking or missing in the electorate. Ironically, you've been in the job for 25 years, so Mm -hmm. if it's not here, clearly you haven't delivered it. Um, And that's why I think overwhelmingly, from the electorate's point of view, it's time to move on. It's not time for a bit of a fresh approach and a new future.
0: And when was the last draw for you do you remember the moment when i'm not necessarily when you said i'm standing up I'm, i'm i'm gonna have a run at this but when you said whoa it's time
1: well, look, I, ha- I must admit, as much as I'm a moderate in uh, in many ways and voting in, in state elections and local elections, from a federal point of view, I've always had a bit of an issue with Tony Abbott. He doesn't, uh, as a modern woman, his stance on a uh, on number of issues are really at odds with my personal stance, in particular as a woman. <laughs> I think there's a few comments that stand out, that are, you know, the ironing, the housewives ironing in, yeah. around Australia. Um, so for me, look, I it's not about one moment that's really sort of done it for me in terms of him because personally he's never appealed but for me events of last year just our our government the change of prime minister the complete lack of focus on governing as opposed to personal ambition and vendetta then the treatment of julie bishop uh, the lack of direction on climate change and really future-proofing us uh, in a number of policy areas I mean, you know, the list goes on in terms of what ultimately motivates you to take a stand. And for me it was I got to the end of last year and I just felt, look, you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, well, there's no point whinging about it behind the scenes Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in a position to make a difference and you've got to give it a go.
2: Well, we spoke to – well, in our our travels, we have spoken to a lot of people from this part of the world, from, you know, a popular writer who likes to wear a – a red tea towel on his head. Maybe, uh, spoke to a number of sports stars, and they were all considering throwing their bandana in the ring to be the person who topples Tony. What made it? How come you ended up here? You know, Why when there me? were lots of other, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think it was me because no one else put their hand up. At, yeah. as well, I was getting to the end of last year, sort of waiting to see. I thought it was a perfect storm mm-hmm. in terms of we were coming up to an election. I don't think the coalition could have, sh- you know, could have stuffed it up any more than they had uh, in terms of failing to focus on governing. Um, I thought the combination of the entire disrespect from gender representation and the treatment of Julie Bishop, the lack of sensible discussion when it came to climate change and and really future-proofing our economy, I think there were a number of people despairing and thinking "Well, (laughs) how are we going to change this? Who are the people that we can actually see as being key to the discussion? and there's no doubt that our current member has been a key component to I think the uh the deterioration of the political debate uh, over the course of probably the last 10-15 years um so I think yeah there were a lot of people keen to put their hand up but at the end of the day look it takes courage maybe a little bit of craziness <laughs> to be prepared to do it um I'm certainly never daunted by a challenge and um generally once i set my mind to something and i'm up for it then i get a, i get to the job of planning for it and how to make it happen Yeah. uh so it's all it all escalated really quickly
2: so there's obviously a, a lot of transferable skills from being a professional athlete to coming into something that's so regimented and structured like an election campaign i guess
1: look uh, you know as an athlete you plan all year for a couple of seconds you know down the course and you've got to make sure it, comes together you have no control over the ultimate outcome but what you can control is your performance your training your approach the team around you Um, they're all the same things that make for a good litigator you know as a barrister in court Um, you don't just turn up and hope the uh, hope (laughs) inspiration will come and you get the right line for the judge it is about all those things it's about hard work Um, so from my point of view they are all transferable skills and I think as we've seen you know the mind games and a bit of the competitive play doesn't hurt as well Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, sport is a competitive arena. You can't control what the other what, what the other competitors are doing, but there's always plenty of mind games at the start, and there's plenty yeah. of sort of tactics going on. So, again, I think I'm fairly well prepared for, for this this arena. Um, it's not a battleground. It's a, it, it is just as he likes to portray it. This is ultimately, uh, I think it's the longest uh, job interview, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really. <laughs>
0: So uh, just quickly, we want to talk about uh, the person behind the campaign a little bit as well. Obviously, athlete was um, was what was mentioned in the initial kind of headlines when you announced that was pretty much all the media had of you on record. Sure. Uh, what, what have you kind of done since? I mean, that was years ago. What, what have you? You've worked as a barrister. You've worked. In schools, you've worked all around this electorate?
1: Well, importantly, I've had kids, which, yeah. uh, let me tell you, is a job in itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I retired in 2002 from sport. Mm-hmm. I initially considered a career in media, having done an arts degree in media and communication, mm-hmm. but then ultimately thought um, a career in law was more what I was suited for. Mm-hmm. So, did a law degree, had two kids during that. I was one of those crazy students yeah. turning up at my law degree, uh, law lectures with a, a, a baby and a baby Bjorn. Um, And then I've been at the bar for the last 10 years and I've worked across areas of uh, advocacy from commercial law, equity, land environment. I've done a little bit of um, native title and then ultimately ended up more in sports law and family law. Uh, Really enjoyed that process. Sports law and family law is very personal. You're talking about people that are really impacted by events and things that are going on. Uh, Generally, the breakdown of the family unit really is their lives are really Mm. pulled apart and they really need that help and that direction, in how to make sense of it. Um, at the same time, got involved on a board level with organisations like uh, in sport, uh, so anti-doping, for example. Yeah. Uh, very keen on the uh, fight against drugs in sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Man- then Manly
0: Sea Eagles have been uh, pretty clean of that over the last few years. But they have. The, the NRL does have a few, uh, <laughs> few a few skeletons further west, I believe.
1: Well, look, all the sports <laughs> have to do. It. It's a huge part of education, educating the athletes. There's a real reason why we want drugs out of sport. There's a real long-term health risk Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day and and that is what we're protecting. Um, I became an arbitrator for the Court of Arbitration for Sports so Mm -hmm. that saw me go to Pyeongchang at the last Winter Olympics in Korea uh, which was fascinating and that opportunity where we were, I was actually on the panel deciding with the Russian athletes whether they would be invited to compete at the Games. So Mm -hmm. again, I was only one of 12 arbitrators from around the whole world so great experience to talk with people from France and Germany in America, Canada, you know, all over the place. But at the same time, really dealing with that high pressured situation of very, I mean, we had a bobsleigh coach who had been to seven Olympics, and he was very adamant of why wouldn't he be allowed to go to his eighth. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, just dealing with all the different stakeholders and the pressure of the situation is really interesting.
0: Now, can you tell us a little bit about the electorate? because um, not many people would really know about it. Uh, As far as anyone can see, it's a giant surf club uh, from (laughs) from what we'd see from the press, from the current member. What kind of demographics are you dealing with? In in our visits to Manly, you know, to interview Cliffy Lyons or John Hopawade, we've seen it's quite quite industrial. Uh, It's not all just uh, Justin Hems-owned pubs and striped shirts, there's a, there's a bit going on.
1: Well, look, it's a very broad electorate. I mean, we are, um, average age now is 38 in the electorate, so much younger, so millennials is now the biggest demographic as opposed to the baby boomers, so mm-hmm. that's quite a shift. I think we've seen that with the property ownership and the property boom of the last five years. A big influx of professionals and young families, so clearly family issues are really important to mm-hmm. the electorate. Uh, affordability, cost of living, transport, they're all issues that people really care about, but also care about the environment and where we're heading as a nation. Mm-hmm. It has sort of some better leadership and better examples. Broad electorate. So we go from Neutral Bay to uh, Lambie Heights and Forestville, so very broad. You tend to focus on Manly and the beaches, but you've also got uh, Brookvale, got Manly Dam, so great natural environments, Uh, Mossman, Cremorne. Uh, We clearly have quite um, a spread in terms of wealth in the electorate. It's actually the second most wealthy electorate in Australia after Wentworth. Um, But look, at the end of the day, we're an electorate with a lot of small businesses. Uh, We've got plenty of tradies, plenty of uh, professionals. So it's very diverse. Uh, But overwhelmingly, I think the common message for people is actually socially progressive. So people do care. We care about our environment. We care about treating people uh, equally and respectfully. Um, and I think that really came out with the same-sex purpose And that's what people are really asking for, is actually a new era uh, with a slightly more respectful tone.
2: So just going back to the median age of your electorate, you said they were millennials, but you're not the first high-profile person to run as an independent against Tony Abbott. I mean, at the last election, we saw... Former Channel V star James G Matheson, isn't it? Yep. No, yeah, yeah, James, James Matheson. Matheson. Matheson, Andrew yeah. G is the other one. Oh, sorry, Osher. And and he didn't he didn't poll that well. Well,
1: surprisingly he did better than you would think he Mm. did 10% so from an independence point of view we had him at 10% and Mary Rollins at about 8% so that was already an 18% of the vote now those guys did amazingly well in light of the resources they had they had like a three week campaign uh, did it the best they could with very limited funding so I think James really captured the youth vote at the time now it has increased since that election because of the turnover I think of house ownership Um, so so there's no doubt that there is that more tech savvy, more modern aspect of the electorate. Yeah. But to be successful, you actually have to appeal to all demographics. At yeah. the end of the day, you can't just be there for one group. You do need to still appeal to the, the older generation and, and reassure people that it is a safe change, it's a safe yeah. move to do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when you're looking at an independent, a lot of people get really stuck on the idea of the polarized, you know, main parties. Yeah. But they've been so unstable over the last eight years how could you ever think that a main party is a stable option and if anything as an independent you're really there for the electorate so mm. i think it's your truer form of democracy that there's no you know there's no hidden agenda no party lines at the end of the day it's Warringah or nothing
0: yeah Th- that is that is an interesting point you make because uh you know after the Wentworth by-election loss uh for the liberal party scott morrison said well double bay is different to dubbo and that was kind of him saying that you know safest liberal seat in the country until that point was actually made up of elitist lefties, but we've seen the independents come through everywhere. We've seen the we've seen you know independents exist in Mount Isa, you know Bob Catter. They exist in Adelaide Hills. Yep. They exist in completely different parts yep. of the world. And I don't think that's uh, you know I don't think that's a a particular. Uh, political model that, that suits uh, an electorate it's just when they've kind of had enough with the with the major parties what do you think is is going to be your best bet on the ground who are you who do you need to catch
1: uh, look, you have to catch as many of everyone. But at the end of the day, it's whoever wants change. You, you have a very clear choice when it comes to the electorate for Warringah. You can stay with what you've had for 25 years or you, or you can move on and, and have a new approach. I'm very focused on delivering results. Um, my entire career from sport to uh, as an advocate in at the law, in law um, has always been about delivering results setting big goals. Ironically, I've just come from a forum talking to school kids about setting big goals. Don't be afraid to dream big. So it it is about setting ambitious targets and then working hard, breaking them down into the manageable bits and making it work. For me, it's a big electorate. It's a lot of people to win over. Clearly an incumbent that's a very uh, – I think he's a very tricky, experienced politician. You know, he uh, he has his certain way of uh, dealing with things, but I think overwhelmingly people are ready for a new approach. So for me, the biggest task is getting out there, seeing as many people, converting as many people over to don't believe – you know the rubbish you're getting, you're seeing on advertising and all the all the false stuff, and come and actually meet me in person and make up your own mind.
0: Now Abbott has shown himself to be probably most effective in opposition, uh, in that kind of bulldog capacity. And then, of course, when he was um, shafted from the position of prime minister, he then became pretty pretty good in the in that in a similar kind of capacity within his own party. And of course, uh, many people are pointing the finger to him. ...as the reason behind the August change of Prime Minister. Now, do you think you haven't seen him playing dirty yet
1: oh no, we've got the dirty games playing at full swing. But that doesn't bother me. I mean, there's nothing new, nothing surprising about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, from my point of view, you've got a clear choice of what kind of person you want to be, what are the standards, what's your integrity. I think he's made it pretty clear where he sees he's and I don't think they've gotten any better over time. I don't Mm -hmm. know if he started out this way but it's certainly how he's played the game for the last few years and he's known as a wrecker. Uh, I think he's wrecked the Liberal Party internally um, and, and there's no doubt that he was part of uh, a very dysfunctional moment, I think, in Australian politics last year.
0: And do you think, and Turnbull has said this himself, that there were certain people in the party that would prefer to lose this next election than to see Turnbull win because of what he represented? Do you feel like there was a kind of, it was almost like a a self-implode, kind of Machiavellian type of um, decision?
1: I don't know if I'd agree on that because I think at the end of the day there's more of a delusion of actually mm. people that have moved so far into their ideology that they actually lose touch with the idea that that ideology is not shared by everyone. Mm. So I actually... Probably believe that there may have been a part of that but more importantly there was a firm belief that they could take everyone to the sort of far right and and actually get people on board with that i think it's a real losing touch of that moderate center base of australia which is where most of us are Mm. um and and it just ends up being completely lacking in representation
0: so you in your campaigning haven't really had to deal with the ultra-Orthodox Catholic community in the Warringah <laughs> electorate? You <Yeah, laughs> haven't had to appease the, I, them? No, no,
1: I deal with everyone. Look, my uh, my uh, in-law family is uh, very religious. My father-in-law is a knight of the Catholic Church. I respect and love him dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like uh, everything, you know, it's about respect for everybody and their beliefs, uh, their, beliefs their backgrounds and, and their contributions to society.
2: So hypothetically, you know, this election could go down to the wire, I mean – the destiny of, of of this country could come down to the independence again if there's a hung parliament. And last time it was quite controversial how you, you had a country member side with the Labor Party to form the, the Gillard minority government, just to be a fly on the wall of the room where there's you, Karen and Bob Catter.
1: <laughs> what a group!
2: It's <laughs> a sick. Sounds like a great sitcom. When it comes down to the line where you're going to have to try to convince Bob to form a government. Do you think you're prepared for that?
1: Totally. Look, one of the things as an advocate, as a barrister, everyone thinks it's like TV and you're you're there doing pithy one-liners and winning it over – 80% of our time is doing mediation where you're bringing people that are very entrenched in very opposite views and you have to bring them to the table and find the commercial resolution and you have to find the middle ground and find the solutions so I do think that's a pretty important part of my skill set especially as an independent where you are there to moderate and so the tighter the parliament the better ultimately because it means no one side of politics has a mandate to go off and just be and go to the extreme or put in policy that uh, might be beneficial to their limited fan base but not to the country as a whole. I think at the end of the day I really believe that once you're in government you're governing all of Australia not just your, your electoral base um, and so you have to come up with policies that are uh, uniting and that deal for, for, for as many as great a percentage of the population as possible.
2: So are you well versed on, on what Bob's type of vision is for the water in Northern Australia, whereby he was like, you know, the Townsville floods could have been prevented if we dammed that entire valley. You know, <laughs> We need <laughs> $6,000 $6, million. Yeah, 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 we need $6,000 million to build a canal down from the Gulf, down through Burketown into Tokonkari.
1: This is sounding like when Roy and HD told me about the Smig and the Tollers Olympics. Um, yeah. Look, no, I, I joke, but this is serious. Uh, at the end of the day, um, I think independents play a really important role in our democracy. its I don't think it's a question of pork-barrelling in terms of what yeah. can you get for your electorate when it comes to who you support to form government. I think at the end of the day, the mandate as an independent from your electorate is to go forward and find that positive future and the, the sensible policies for Australia. Yeah. Uh, For me, a huge part is climate change, and I really want to see us having a sustainable economy, taking advantage of future opportunities. So that will be my baseline of how decisions are made.
0: And um, you mentioned before governing for all of Australia. How are you going to feel if you do beat and topple Tony Abbott? uh, Are you going to feel guilty about robbing Australia of a very competent Indigenous envoy? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Possibly not I will try hard to do better well, I would, Personally I think it would be appropriate to uh, uh, empower <laughs> our Indigenous people to I uh, think represent themselves mm-hmm. in, a, in a more effective way
0: And uh, with the climate change kind of conversation has that been something that you see right across the electorate?
1: Definitely, and yep. not just right across the electorate, right across Australia. Yep. There's no doubt about it. It is. Uh, there's overwhelming support. I think the coalition has been completely out of touch or lost touch with mm-hmm. where people's concerns are. It's a driving factor. I think when you're out there speaking to our youth, I've got teenagers, they are aware of it and mm-hmm. they are frustrated at the lack of action. So the benefit of, I think, a number of independents really making it a key part of their agenda... You can't ignore it. It's been a, it, the conversation. I notice you don't hear the word coal from the coalition too often anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's already a great achievement that we're shifting the conversation. We need to shift it further, and we need to actually put it into into play and and actively move on it. Um, but it's something that that is just really important.
0: We've seen a lot of concession. You're right with the coalition, where some you know even your um, opponent is now saying, "Oh, you know, it might all be real." And what do you think? The thinking is of a Canberra tree trunk who is acknowledging this is happening but isn't doing anything about it. Where do you think they'll be in 40 years? Do you think that they are kind of comfortable with the house on top of the hill? And how how do do you think they rationalise creating policy that works against climate change.
1: It is really hard. Well, 40 years I think some of them won't be around yeah. <laughs> considering yeah. the average age in camera. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, it is always – I find it so short-sighted mm-hmm. where people that are deniers that just – It's. I feel like it's putting your head in the sand to things mm-hmm. that are happening. Uh, we don't – they're predictions. We don't know with certainty where everything's heading. No one's got a crystal, crystal globe mm-hmm. to absolutely know. But you have to prepare for, for the future. You have mm-hmm. to prepare for eventuality and the attitude from the deniers camp of just ignoring it and letting it sort of play out is just so irresponsible to the next generation. Um, (laughs) Look, he's backflipped a few times on it. I don't think anyone could have any confidence in whatever position gets taken now. It's a purely reactionary um, position to the situation of an election. I think there are a few players, including uh, the local member, who's prepared to say anything at any time that if he thinks it's going to get him over the line. Um, I think everyone's a bit savvy to that and aren't buying
2: I guess that a lot of people in this electorate didn't really ex- experience you know the, the negative effects of climate change until you know their pool on the beach up at Collaroy <laughs> ended up in the Tasman Sea I mean you know that's uh that was probably the first time that they really were like wow this is something that's real this is a shift in the climate that's going to affect my life?
1: Well I think that's maybe a very visual one where that everyone had to, to go on but there's yeah. there's other ways you know that we've had the hottest summer uh, one of the hottest summers on record um, you know I think it was the hottest January um, mm. summer, everyone is there experiencing the weather, we all experience those temperatures um, and then it's also looking at uh, droughts and just, just watch the news every night and you know the first four stories on the news are some kind of climatic extreme event yeah. occurring and Everything to, seems to be getting more extreme and so you sort of start to feel like you're in a Hollywood movie of, you know, what's the next apocalyptic event that's coming. So... It- and and it is the hardest part about climate change is people tend to think well it's happening on a global stage uh, on a global sorry global scale so how do you make it relevant on a local scale because unless it's locally that you're experiencing it people tend to put it off to something that can be dealt with later Mm on a bigger picture um but you know the oceans are warming the fish popular the fish species are changing i've had people that have been surveying and keeping track of fish species around our local reserves that have been changing over time so it's not just pools it's you know your energy prices it's lots of different things Mm -hmm. that add up to an awareness that it's a problem
2: just quickly though i've you, you were saying that all that um people have stopped referring to coal except of course for the national party and they are the farmers party but they seem to be more more typically focused on mining now In your experience, why don't the nationals have the best interests of the farmers in mind considering that they are basically the canary in the mine for climate change in this country
1: it's a very strange strange bedfellows is how I kind of think about it and I do think ironically in our country regions um, there is a shift away from the nationals because that focus on mining is really taking away from that focus on the land and, and the environment and protecting protecting the lamb and the farmers and their way of life um, so it, it's a very strange position to be in uh, and I think it's very short-sighted because the amount of jobs in mining is nowhere near the jobs in tourism and future technology. Technologies, uh, from our economy's point of view, there there is so much more growth opportunity um, in new new technology. Um, when it comes to renewables and all those aspects, there's just so much more. And the reality is, is, with big mining, is a lot of it is going overseas. So it's not actually profit that's coming back yeah. into Australia. Most of it goes overseas.
0: Some of it's not even taxed.
1: And much of it is not taxed. <laughs> very controversial. Um, and then with AI, artificial intelligence, the actual amount of jobs you're talking about is less and less. Yeah. Um, so it's a very, uh, I think it's a very misleading approach that they tend to take. You know, who's ever putting the price on the opposite? You know, the price of jobs lost in tourism and industries that will be decimated by climate change. So I always feel the focus is on this sort of fear mongering of what might, what the cost of transition might be. Yeah reality is the cost of lack of action is far
0: greater. Uh, Tony Abbott ran unopposed for Liberal pre-selection. And, oh, there was an empty chair. <laughs> and and ne- nearly lost to an empty chair. So that's got to tell you that the Liberals are kind of more, even in the local area, are kind of uh, swaying away from him. And we look at a lot of your, even though Abbott has called you a fake Liberal, we look at a lot of your policies <laughs> and they do kind of come across as there'd be people in the Liberal Party that have, agree with you on a lot of things. Is there the fear in the electorate that the moment you oust Tony Abbott, you're just going to join the Liberal Party like two weeks after that and, or are you going to keep no. running as an independent?
1: No, no one's actually ran, <laughs> ran that one. No. Look, I, I feel really strongly. I've always been an individual athlete. I took great joy in representing Australia at the Olympics and performing. I've represented my clients I'm here to represent Warringah, so no, that's not a play. the the uh, The reality is, a lot of people are dissatisfied, and there are I have a huge liberal, voting traditionally liberal voting base that are. Are tired. They just want change. They want to move on. Uh, they feel that it's become so disrespectful um, that he's wrecked the party um, and that, that they're ready for a, a more proactive future and approach. And then, of course, you've got sort of the rest of the electorate that probably have been waiting for change a little bit longer.
0: Now, you have the opportunity now. We have a lot of listeners on the Batuta uh, Radio Show. Are there any claims that have been made about you by your opponent and his mates in the media that you'd like to refute just right now? <laughs>
1: where do I start, the list Uh, I mean the irony is I've been called Mrs Abbott for being too liberal, I've been called uh, Shorten's candidate I've been the get up candidate, I've been the carbon tax lady, it's sort of the list is endless, I mean we know Wikipedia's tried to make out that I'm a nude male magazine model so you know I mean it it kind of is endless Um, at the end of the day it's smear and fear Um, I find it's just so symptomatic of where politics are at and what people are really tired of Mm -hmm. instead of trying to make everybody fear that person what are you offering i mean what what is your plan what will give people a choice between something you know if they don't like my policies fine but t- tell us what exactly you're offering <laughs> that's any better
0: you got to play the ball as well totally
1: play the ball but look i'm used to this environment it doesn't surprise me it was all stuff that i knew was going to be coming when i when i put my head up and decided to give this a go. I know there's worse to come. But again, if we've seen anything by events recently with what happened in New Zealand, um, politics can be so much better than what they are in Australia. And I think at the end of the day, it's up to all of us to call time on the divisive uh, and the, uh, the, the... Disrespectful language, the using uh, misinformation, the not using the real facts on issues, mm-hmm. and actually, let's get back to a bit of integrity.
2: Yep. So, just quickly, one more question I'd like to ask you. You know, it's very easy to join the pile on on for Tony Abbott, but do you have anything nice to say about? His time as as the member for Warringah.
1: Oh look, at the end of the day, you can't deny he has he has a long service to the um, electorate. You have to be respectful of that. He has for twenty five years served the people of Warringah in in Parliament. Uh, You know, I think he has been involved with he's a local um, as a. for the fire brigade um he's done uh, work with queen uh, Queenscliff surf club so there's no doubt about it he's done his period of service um and whether everyone agrees with his service or not he has been there um he's been prime minister uh, he's had the opportunity to do to, to do things uh, i think at the end of the day you are judged by your legacy and you are judged by what you achieved or failed to achieve um and that's something for the electorate to judge him on
0: and it might be time you think to put him out to pasture where he can get a job with Gina Reinhart?
1: Well, uh, he can get a job in. I don't, I don't think he'll need where. a job
0: after this. Do you think he's? No. Do you think he's unemployable outside of this? Uh, well, this role. <laughs> I have heard that he's worth about a
2: hundred, just quietly. Yeah. Right.
1: Oh, look. Yeah. Look, in sport we see it all the time you know, just because you've been at the top doesn't mean you're going to be at the top forever mm-hmm. everyone has their day and everyone has to move on sooner or later uh, the hardest part is to know when it's time to go mm-hmm. and I think it's not uncommon that people don't know when it's probably the right time but um, certainly for him uh, I think it's time
0: thank you for joining us today Zali Stegall thank you and is it time for Tony to vacate the position, well, we'll let the people of the Warringah electorate decide that one. But one thing we will say from our media perspective uh, is that ScoMo appears to be doing a much better job campaigning uh, on behalf of his party than Bill Shorten, who, as uh, we believe, has been locked in a broom cupboard in the CFMEU head offices in Melbourne. Uh, Even that hasn't really helped him going out there and putting his foot in it with several press conferences. What do you think, Gerald?
2: No, I think think Bill's got a lot of ground to pick up. I think that it really is a two-horse race at the moment, and I think that one of the horses is definitely
0: going to win Clancy. Yes, very vague. So don't take that to the bookie. But uh, yeah, let's see how we go. Is it going to be the happy clapper from the Shire? Or is it going to be the uh, union uh, former... uh, He was
2: a trade unionist. Trade unionist. uh, A privately educated trade unionist. I will hold you that.
0: career politician from uh, the port of Melbourne. We'll, We'll never know. But as for Tony Abbott versus Ali Steggall. This is probably going to be the closest one of them all. Thank you for listening to the Batuta Advocate podcast. I'm Clancy Overall. You be kind to each other.
2: And my name is Errol Parker. And as always, go fuck yourself, David Kosh.